Please listen carefully. Paul Frields from Practical Base, and we are going to start this episode just a little bit differently than normal. This is actually the second part of a two-part podcast on recording those quick and dirty demos with your band. As we went along in the last episode, we realized that we were kind of getting to the point where we were getting out of sort of the quick and dirty land and more into doing sophisticated recording. Uh, so Dave and I talk a little bit about a few ways to do that. And we're also going to give you some technical tips, whether you're doing simple demo recording or more complex recording, how you can make sure that the signal and the quality of what you're doing makes it to your computer or tape. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and just plunge right in. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Stay tuned at the end and we'll tell you how you can subscribe and share this with other folks and where you can find us for feedback. And with no further ado, here's us. Enjoy. So the thing about, you know, getting into this, you know, over this threshold yeah. is that you do want to know a couple things about mics. Unfortunately, you know, we talked about right. them a little bit already, which is, you know, the kind of mics that you're using. Yep. And I would say the main thing is just to be choosy about mm -hmm. not just, you know, where you put a mic, but also, you know, the kind of mic that you use. And that mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you've got to go spend a billion zillion dollars on microphones, which of course you can. You can. That is a whole thing unto itself totally different uh, podcast yeah oh yeah. my gosh yeah that we could do a whole totally podcast different problem on, on mic choices <laughs> but but here's the thing i would say if you're going to do some demo recordings of your band this is probably where you want i would say may at least one condenser mic yeah right? one of these large diaphragm condenser mics yeah and then i would say you know two three to four uh, dynamic microphones, right? Mm -hmm. You probably want one for your, you know, for a guitar mm -hmm. and you're going to want, you're going to want one for, for voices. Right. Um, there are different ways you could do this too, though, right? Like you can be inventive about it. Say you don't have a microphone, you don't have enough microphones for everybody to be able to, you know, sing into or whatever. Like you can, right. you know, double up, like have a microphone that, you know, all the singers kind of gather around and, and sing yep. into in order to make that work. That's right. Yeah, you know, there, there's really no hard and fast rule for how you do this. The only mm -hmm. thing that I would say is that if you need to pick up a lot of things that are not close to the microphone, that's when you need a condenser. Mm -hmm. And if you want to have a sound for something that's at one point and you want to get just that sound and nothing else, yeah. that's when you probably want a dynamic microphone. Right. 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 Yeah. And then you could just mix and match essentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and we're assuming, I mean, if you're looking to do this for purposes of recording a demo so that you could play live, then hopefully like if your singers are going to have mics. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone should be able to bring whatever their tool is. Yeah. Right. That they need for the gig. They should They'll have it. those pieces. Right. So really when you start to look at where's, you know, what's the total cost going to look like? Yeah, yeah. You know, you've got whatever that device is, whatever your, um, you know, wherever your inputs are, that interface, that's a big 
that's a big cost. Yeah, yeah. And then you have, usually it's the condenser, yeah. mics, which can range. I mean, you can get sure. cheap ones from like $30, 40 bucks, but I think usually once you get into the 75 to $100 price range. Yeah, once, yeah, to, there's, yeah, they definitely like those imports, you know, in between $100 and $200, there mm-hmm. are some really decent, you know, Chinese condensers out there. In fact, I mean, we're yeah. using them right now here in the yeah. studio. We've got, like, I think the one that you're using, I think I paid maybe $150. I mean, I did get oh, a wow. really good deal okay. on it. It was brand, it was like a warehouse I mean, it's deal. gold. Well, yeah, I mean, it looks like it, right? But yeah. Oh, it's not real gold? No, no, oh. it's not. Yeah, so if you're Wait, I don't thinking wanna... about selling that mic for, you know. I, I was only doing this podcast because I thought yeah. I was on a gold mic. Because <laughs> you're on a gold mic. You are the gold Wait a standard second. of this podcasters. Is, this is a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> this is a setup. <laughs> what sort of second rate place have you brought me to? <laughs> Yeah, and then I've got this one in front of me, which I think I spent like two fifty on or something like that. Yeah. But you know, they, there's a whole range of them mm-hmm. um, out there, and you know, you don't have to spend huge amounts of money. I mean, I've yeah. seen MXLs are you know you can get those a lot of times for under a hundred bucks. Yeah. Um. So you're not talking about a big outlay. Oh, and I was going to say, there's one more thing that occurred to me. Mm-hmm. If you've got everybody kind of bringing their mic, and yep. you guys have a way of you know, doing a PA when you're doing practice or whatever. Right. Here's something that's like a cheap and easy trick. And you just need, you know, essentially like one extra mic. Just take your one mic and kind of stick it out where it's going to hear the PA speaker. Right. Right. Now all your vocalists totally. are going in there. You get all the vocals on, that's one, right. on one channel. Yeah. So if you don't have enough, say you've got an audio interface, but you only've got, you know, maybe two or three or four channels on it. Right. That's a way to kind of get everybody down to one and only use one channel out of it so that you've got another one for a drum and you've yep. got another one for the bass and another one for the guitar. Good call. Yeah. yeah. So there are ways like huh. you kind of just, you know, get inventive. Um, think about how you could capture the sound differently than you're than you're doing. Yeah. So yeah, so these are kind of the simple ways. I guess, yeah, the next frontier is mm-hmm. sort of where do you cross the line <laughs> from, you know, a, a small interface or whatever right. to like the next level? Like you really want to, yeah, you, you want to go whole hog and say, yeah, you know, we're going to do this practically like it's a lot, like practically like a live album or something. Right. So that yeah. where is that? I don't know where that line. You need to tell me. <laughs> I don't know. Like there's it's there's it's it's a hazy area, right? Like yeah. it's a gray area. When do you cross that line? I mean, and I say it probably all depends on what the approach is. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I so I did one of these not too long ago with one of my bands, um, and it was a lot of fun. We really, really enjoyed it. We mm-hmm. we used um, so we actually we determined that the because the place that we were that we were recording in mm-hmm. it was not going to be easy to get around the fact that the drums were going to overwhelm everything in the room, and it was more of a it was more of a situation where you know it it wasn't like you know, aggressive, yeah, loud music. It was, you know, fairly sensitive and, you know, you're kind of aiming for a certain kind of vibe and tone. Right. And we didn't want to, you know, we didn't want to have that, you know, that, that problem with the drums kind of overwhelming everything. Yeah. Um, so what we ended up doing, this was interesting is we, we used a set of electronic drums as triggers mm-hmm. for, you know, for, you know, drum sounds right. in, in the, you know, in, in the, the 
computer that we were recording right. into. You know, this is kind of, I guess this is like, you know, getting, getting kind of next level because now you're sort of crossing the bounds from, you know, to where it looks more like a studio yeah. type of thing. And, you know, it was a real performance. So, you know, we didn't, you know, it wasn't like hitting a button on a drum machine and it just goes like, do, 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 do. You know, it was like, you <laughs> which know, could the, be cool too, actually. The, the drummer was, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. he, play, he was you know, playing a set totally. with, with real triggers and whatnot. And we ran a click mm -hmm. um, to him so that, you know, he would have something to like stay on. And so that's how he got his sound. Uh, you know, as a bass player, I just, you know, took a, a DI line yep. that went in through another channel for the guitar. We, we put the guitar amps mm -hmm. under big, heavy blankets, like yep. bunches of them. And yep. then, you know, hung, you know, little mics in front of them. Yep. And we also ran the click because of course, you know, everyone was going to have this issue of like, you know, we're, we need to be able to hear what the drums are doing or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we ran, we actually ran the uh, click into a PA speaker that was in the room. Oh, no kidding. And I'm huh. not exactly sure why we did this. I think what I remember is we did this because we didn't have enough weight. Like there weren't enough ways to get headphones to everybody. Oh, so we put a click right. up in these speakers and we put yeah. the speakers as high as we could so that the click wouldn't be heard through the microphones that were down right. on the floor That's next right. to the guitar amp. Um, but you could hear the drums and the click through yep. that PA speaker. So that way we could all stay together and whatnot. Yeah. And, you know, then, so that kind of took care of all those keyboards, you know, those had a line right. in, um, vocals, you know, we ran those mics in. So I guess that makes me think about your question of where is that line? Yeah. And I think really for me, the line was when I thought about recording direct. Yeah. Because that's where it gets complicated. Yeah. And you really have to start thinking about it, right? Yeah. Like, because now you really do need like those splitters where you can get headphones to everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we're not going to the point where everyone has their own like mix that they can put it like forget even that. Just yeah. a way that everybody that you can split out enough m headphones. Yeah, everybody can hear something. Like you, something. here's 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 one thing that everybody's yep, There's the hear. yeah, the general mix is yeah. what everybody's getting. You may not hear your instrument great, that's fine, doesn't matter. You're at least in it there. Yeah. Um and that is where it gets complex like at yeah. that point it is kind of you're turning the page to to a set of other challenges yeah. that that you know hit and it it's different like recording if if you haven't done it before the first time that you'll record direct is a little odd there's a, yeah. there's something kind of missing from what you normally are used to leaning right. into yeah and mostly it's that like you can't hide under anything and, you know, it's sort you know, you can't just mix, you know, your, your playing can't just mix into the general sound. Like everything gets cut out and kind of displayed. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a really good point. And I think, you know, if, if people um, maybe look back to the beginning of the season, I think we talked about, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the album recording right. that we did over the winter yep. and, you know, that, that definitely has an element of that. Like the more, the mm -hmm. more like a studio recording it gets, the more like it, you know, the more like that situation it mm -hmm. becomes, the more you start to be able to pick out maybe things that 
you know, you want to get right in rehearsal right. or whatever. So, you know, they don't pop out and, you know, right. really hit people as wrong. And, yeah. you know, as, as you get more complex with the recording, you're going to expose things because they get easier to hear, right? The record, as the That's recording right. gets better, any mistake starts to stick out more. That's that's right. Right. And that's the thing that will always be that balance. Like how do you mm -hmm. balance between, yeah. you know, this is the live band and this is a pristine, perfect recording. Like yeah. where do you set that dial? I would say like, if it's, if it's something like, you know, making a, you know, you're making an album, you're making a recording that is really for, yeah. you know, for people to listen to over and over again. That's where you really want to polish that's everything. Right. And, that's right. And and if you're making something that is a, a demo that's designed to show here's what this band is like live, yeah. you don't like you don't want to really mess with it because right w when you do that you're kind of you're kind of cheating right uh huh it's not really what the band sounds like anymore that's right I'm, I'm not and, saying and, and you're yeah. opening up cans of worms that yeah. you don't maybe even need to because that's not yeah. what the project is at that yeah. point that's not what that's for the yeah. purpose. You know, I I think the way that I really slid into that, like the difference for me was that I would, um, like, first of all, I, the interface that I got, I, I it was used, right? It was a, it was a yeah. Tascam, I think yeah. like Tascam 1800 US, I think is what it's called, right? Yep. It's, it's, it's an older unit, but it is USB. Mm -hmm. It has whatever, 16 channels, right? That I can go in yep. way more than what I need. And what I was doing ultimately is I was doing the multi mic thing. Right. But also like uh, kind of secretly throwing in everybody direct uh, without yeah. them knowing. Well, they knew, but like yeah. that wasn't, I did all the, the work on the back end. Right. I was like, I'll right. make sure the levels are set right. And then I'm just going to record and I'll have all those direct pieces. Yes. Then after the fact, you can kind of blend those. And like, and I would love it, especially for like the bass, I could do. I'd have a mic to the bass, right? But also direct, and I can kind of yeah. balance those two out depending on the sound that I want. Yeah, which is, I mean, people do that in like big, you know that that's a that's a standard technique that's right? used in real recordings all the time. Yeah, and right. the, and that gives you the control so that you could still stay. Like if the focus is like quick and dirty, like I'm just trying yeah. to get this get demo done. Right. It's a it, it's a nice like it's a comfortable way to do it, and it yeah. gives you more flexibility on the back end as right. you edit. Right, right, for sure. Yeah, and I think for for me, I guess I'm still really thinking about that line and like where mm -hmm. do you draw that line. And the line I think for me comes when you start having to have headphones for people. Right. I think when you do that, right. now you've crossed the line. Like now that you're getting serious. If you're trying to like if have, the word if the word cans cans yeah cans comes once cans comes out that's it <laughs> then you got to throw in a towel this yeah. is the new me that's it I'm a cans guy yeah yeah for sure <laughs> no sorry go. for sure no I mean that's 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 really it I mean yeah because at that point now you're starting to think about okay how do you connect everybody with the sound now that they are kind of listening to it at a mm -hmm. distance in their headphones as opposed to just being in a room yeah listening and watching each other at rehearsal. Yeah. Right. That, that change of experience, yeah. I think is where you start to have a new experience as a musician and, and, you know, as a band. Yeah. So, you know, at that point, I think that's where we knew, you know, Oh, this, you know, we're doing, it's kind of like live plus really right. is what we did. Yeah. Um, and I, what we did discover is that 
as we were doing this live recording like this, we realized that we did not have the amount of um, sound separation that we needed. Like mm-hmm. we didn't have enough equipment to yeah. separate out the vocals in a way that was going to be meaningful. Like the vocals were getting all this bleed mm-hmm. from the click and the drum. I mean, it just, it sounded awful. Yeah. And so what we ended up doing is deciding amongst ourselves that we would do an instrumental pass mm-hmm. and then we're going to do a live vocal pass. Right. And that was in whatever happened, happened like no overdubs, yep. no do overs, like let's get it right. You know what yeah. I mean? And so we like that's how we kind of split it. I I don't know that that really qualified as a as a completely live demo for that reason, mm-hmm. but it was we felt like that was honest at least. Yeah. And the vocals ended up being the least difficult part of the whole thing, right. honestly. It was right. easy because we had one person who was singing. There weren't a lot of backing vocals to do, so yep. it was simple. We just, you know, we literally we hit rec- we hit record once, we played the song. We, you know, we had a good performance of that. We're like, okay, great. We're happy with that. And then we just went and set up a microphone and the singer sang it. We're done. That was yeah. it. And we felt like that was, that was fair. I mean, in concept, that's no different than real studio recordings happen. It's just mm-hmm. that we kind of constrained ourselves to mm-hmm. to just doing it live like we didn't do any overdubs we didn't come back and say oh i want to do the bass part over again right nope it was down it it. was done like everybody played together we're done yep and that was the you know that was kind of the the level of challenge that we decided to set for ourselves to just to be live Mm -hmm. like even though we could do otherwise decided you know what we're gonna fair's fair right yep and here's what we're gonna do yeah yeah and you get a certain energy out of it yeah. You get a certain thing because then, you know, when you are doing that sort of live demo, it's putting everybody into a place where the pressure is on to get it right. Yeah. And you're giving it everything in that one shot. And, yeah. you know, it means something. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess the, you know, the thing we haven't talked too much about is maybe the, the equipment side of this. I mean, clearly mm-hmm. there is a level where you go from the, maybe the simple setup of just having a few mics right and going from there to really like this you know more of a live like a multi-track live studio recording you could be talking about a lot of channels because think about it mm-hmm. like you know for your drums you may be talking about at least one kick mic if not more um probably two snare mics on top right. and bottom at least top but maybe top and bottom yep you know, uh, at least one mic for toms, maybe one per tom. Mm-hmm. Um, overheads, you may be talking about like uh, a Could pair of condensers yep. for those. I mean, we're at seven. Yeah, right some now. people will do like yeah. Right. Some people will do like a dedicated hi hat mic. Yeah. I mean, there's like you can go, and but there's also other ways to do it, right? I've seen people yeah. do recordings where they have like literally one condenser for the whole drum set. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen people do I've seen like the one two. condenser like um and we've tried it and it kind of worked with just one over the behind yeah, yeah over the shoulder yeah yeah there's like a there's a particular way of doing this and you know, we'll send our our listeners I guess out to YouTube cuz yeah. there's a couple different names for like the Glenn Johns That's right. method um there's Which, all, the, that yeah. that method I we did try it and yeah. there's like a certain um 
like you have to like get a piece of string and it's got to measure out like yeah. a certain way or whatever. Yeah. It looked yeah. like a, like we were planning, we were trying to solve a murder mystery. Right. Just have like <laughs> strings everywhere. I'm like, you hold it here. Which direction did the bullet come mm-hmm. from? <laughs> did, I think based <laughs> on this blood spatter. The shooter was above it. <laughs> was above the tongue. Above and to the right. <laughs> oh no, it was over the snare. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, there's, I mean, you can do, you know, there are different methods for doing drums where you may have like just Mm -hmm. three or four mics. You may have 10 mics. I mean, it's really up to you how you do that. Yeah. And then you need, you know, and and what types of mics those are, right? Right. Going to be, you know, those are going to be, you know, they can be an adjustable level of expense. I've seen... You know, three hundred dollar packages where you get like all the mics you need in a little mm-hmm. package of, yep. you know, for, like a, a six piece set. Yep, with right? the clips and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all the way up to you know, you there are setups where you can spend. You know, you you might have you know some mics on that drum set that are like a thousand dollars a piece. Right. Hey. Uh, it's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and and if you are going to get into that, like that scope of, you know, I'm, I'm going to use my studio space to do some recording and demo recording. I highly recommend just keeping your eye on your local Craigslist for the guy that the guy or girl that decided to do a studio setup and their spouse said, I'm sick of it. And they have to sell it all. Yes. And you'll find the package deal sometimes that they have a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you never know for like $500, you might end up with like everything you need. Yes. It might be older equipment, but who cares? Like, yeah, you'll, some people kill. Yeah. Some people kill for like older equipment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. With the cables and all the stuff that'll nickel it, because that's the stuff that gets you is that, you know, you end up having to spend money on $20 cable here, $20 cable there. Yeah. Yeah. And you quickly are like, oh no, I also need this. I need this connector. So it's like nickel and diming pieces in yeah. addition to the interface. Right. Yeah. When people get into recording, I find like, and I know this is true for me, but I've seen it with other folks too that I know. And, you know, they're the same way and I know you are too. Mm-hmm. Like once you get into the recording aspect on top of everything else, you really become good at bargain hunting because right. you know you become very opposed to going out and buying most things new if you mm-hmm. can avoid it right let somebody else take the hit on the depreciation mm-hmm, right and then you know walk away with the same you know quality of equipment yeah so yeah so there's that i mean there's so there's the whole thing about mic buying you, you you probably have you know you need mics for your guitar amps those are probably things like you know maybe a ribbon mic or mm-hmm. you know might be a sm57 or 58 you've got yeah. you know mics for for people's vocals that might be dynamics or they might be condensers if you decide to like split up the recording like yeah like my dent like like my band did you know we you know we used a condenser yeah. for the vocal passes because we knew it was going to sound better mm-hmm. um so you're talking about you know you know, a line you know line for the bass you probably yep. have mics for each of the guitar amps, uh, so you could be talking about you know anywhere between six or seven mm-hmm. and fourteen sixteen maybe more mics yeah so you're talking about a much bigger recording setup at that point right. too right so y- now we're starting to talk about the point where you're spending more like. Three to five thousand dollars, maybe for right. everything that you need. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> the great thing about it is, though, that I don't think that we're saying you you have to do that to make a good demo. It's more right. like you can grow mm-hmm. as you go. 
right? You learn, you, you get better at it, and then you can kind of invest in your own, like mm-hmm. you invest in your locker of equipment as you get better at it. Yeah, if you're going to put money into it, I, I guess my thought is get, you know, get the first investment into the into the interface. Yeah. Because that's yeah. your gateway. Like if yeah. you have a four channel interface, it's cool. You're gonna be able to do a lot more stuff than you would have with the single mic. Like it's gonna yeah. change your life. Yeah. But once you cross over to the next and you're like, oh, from four, I'm gonna go to six, at that point, like it might be worth looking at, you know, a twelve, yeah, sixteen. Yeah. Yep. If the price difference isn't that much. And that yeah. sort of opens up like your ability to grow into it over right. time and hopefully keep that same interface. Right. Exactly. So, you know, one thing I guess maybe we will want to do um, is give people a couple other maybe technical hints mm-hmm. as, as you're doing this, right? We really haven't talked yep. about the techniques that much. Um, you know, we talked about having, you know, the interface and stuff, but here's also one thing as you're, as you're recording, watch mm-hmm. out for the signal level on your inputs, right? This is yeah. the thing that I see a lot of people get wrong at the beginning because they just don't, you know, they just don't understand what's right. happening to that signal. Um, in the old days, you used to set signal on analog equipment. So it would come in, you know, pretty much you, you try and get it you know, up in that like minus six to minus three dB area. Mm. And it would sometimes go over, but that was cool because it like gets a nice, beautiful, saturated tone to it. And, and, you know, that's, it's, it could be a round tone. Sometimes you're looking for that. Um, Some people, you know, you'd set it high in order to get a specific kind of tonality. Well, nowadays we're working in digital. Almost everybody is. Mm -hmm. And you do not want that, right? Because if you, when you cross that line to zero, there is nothing else except distortion and clipping. Yeah. And it starts to sound terrible. Um, that was a huge lesson for me because yeah. I don't know where I learned it because I wasn't into recording before, but I just remember like right up to the line, yeah. a little bit over the line. Yeah. I don't know. It's like I grew up with that. Yeah. I was yeah. born with that, I think. Yeah. Well, we all looked at like when we were little, right? We saw VU meters on That's things right. and they would go like a little over zero yep. sometimes and it was cool. It was cool. And in digital, unfortunately, it is not, not cool, cool at all. Yeah. So because you can blow, you can on the edit side, like you can always, you can just make that larger. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. The point is that you want to avoid any possibility that you're going to overshoot mm-hmm. and, and clip or distort your signal coming in. So what you want to do typically is aim for like somewhere your peaks. Well, I would say generally you want mm-hmm. the level to be somewhere between like minus 15 and minus 20. Right. On what your what your input yep. is. If it peaks, you probably don't want that peak over anything like negative 12, negative 10. Right. Like that. It's not right. bad if it goes over five, minus 15. But what you don't want is you don't want it to be sitting in the yellow mm-hmm. or getting close to the red or, you know, goodness forbid, hitting the red. Yeah. That's terrible. So having it be a little low is not bad. The the recording interfaces that we have nowadays are so good compared to things that people were working with 30 years ago mm-hmm. that it's okay for the signal to be a little lower because the machines themselves are so noise-free. Right. You can turn that signal up without adding hiss. Yep. In the old days, when you had analog equipment, one That's of the right. reasons that you got everything really loud, like get it close, you know, close up to the meter, like minus three, it was great, you know, mm-hmm. somewhere in there, because it meant that you were the signal was going to be 
it's as far as possible above the noise floor of the equipment. Right. And now the noise is really almost non-existent. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about that. That's like right. That's right. So that's a little bit about signal level that will help while you're, you know, putting these, mm-hmm. these, these tracks in. Um, I would say one other thing we didn't talk about is mm-hmm. sound stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. we could do a whole, probably a whole episode on, treating sure you know doing treating your room for sound and whatnot but yeah. the main thing is you want to watch out for echoes mm-hmm. and one way to get rid of them is to hang up heavy blankets around your room um because they're irregular and they kind of they can suck up sound you, you know the kind of those moving blankets those quilted moving blankets yep. are awesome for this yep. things that don't work egg crates people think they work they, they do work. not work um they they can reduce like they can reduce a little bit mm-hmm. of of the harshness but they're they're really they're really poor like it's it's basically like the equivalent of painting over a water stain it's right. it's just not <laughs> right. it really doesn't work like you can however you could go you know further and get like you can get some some real dense studio foam right. uh, wedges the kind that look like kind of a, a like toothy sort yep. of a toothy pattern and you can put them up. These things will help reduce the harshness and, and bad echoes in a room. What they're not going to do is they will not soundproof a room. So we're not talking about soundproofing. None yeah. of this is going to keep the neighbors from hearing. Right. You. Totally different. Yeah. yeah. This is just just treating. Yeah. Sound treating, just watching where that watching where the noise is bouncing. And and maybe like maybe you're recording in in because it's if this is just like to do the demo, maybe you're doing it in a living room where yeah. it's like nice. Like yeah. there's things, there's already a sofa in there. Yeah. There's like maybe books or whatever that are yeah. Di- do and there's a rug in the floor and it's yeah. like sort of eating up any of that echo already. And if it's cool and if it's giving you just enough of that echo or reverb, yeah. then like yeah. Then stick with it. That's yeah. cool. Like there was a room that I did um, a, a living room concert uh, with a, a young lady I used to play with some years ago, and her uh, parents had a a, a big house, and mm-hmm. we were able to use that for this living room concert, and yep. it was like this gigantic, you know, they had this kind of a vaulted ceiling yep. sort of thing, and it actually sounded amazing. Totally. In there. Yeah. So that was like a good echo. Uh huh. And because it had lots of furnishings mm-hmm. and irregular things around there were bookcases on the wall um yep. and you know all sorts of things that kind of made the room less f- like fewer flat surfaces yeah it's the irregular yeah. pieces yeah yeah and, and you know we, we keep saying bookcases and this is just like you know in case anybody out there is wondering why we keep talking about bookcases it's because bookcases are actually like they're a natural mm-hmm. diffuser of echoes because they are they're irregular like the books in them are kind of like different sizes and they're probably yep. in different depths and like sticking out some stick out more and some stick out less and that's a great way to cut down on yeah. some of those those bad echoes in the room yeah right? if your drummer's um if your drummer is in the corner of a very hard like a hard corner yeah do something about the corner to yeah. throw something in there to yeah. break that up because um, a lot of times we do put the drummer in the corner. Yes. We yes. don't put baby in the corner, but we put the drummer in the corner. Every time. Every, Every time. time. Yeah. It's like, like putting a putting a like a blanket or some sort of backdrop behind them. Yeah. That kind of curves and and maybe and makes it a, a kind of an irregular surface. 
is is going to help quite a bit. Like you can, th- there are lots of things you can do, um, you know, with with uh, uh, drums. In fact, to to kind of get good recordings out of bad mm-hmm. spaces, like doing more close miking. Right. If your room sounds really yeah. bad, you can sometimes get around that by close miking everything mm-hmm. as as opposed to like using like one or two condensers far away. Yeah. Use more mics and mic everything up close. That's it, right. It's gonna be more work when you mix it, but mm-hmm. you can get better sounds out of the drums yep. that way. Exactly. So that's a nice thing to do. Um and I'd say, you know, the last thing is as you get more complex like this, right? leave time to mix it because mm-hmm. the more complex the recording process becomes the more you're going to end up wanting to do in the mix yep. to kind of bring every to bring the power back um you know it sounds one way to you when you're in the room and everybody's playing out loud and it's going to sound very different when you have those things coming into mics you're going to have to listen to you know the track and and then try and get it more to a point where it sounds like what you wanted it to sound like yeah and each track like the more tracks that you're adding to this recording it means each one you have to dedicate time yeah and mix each one individually yeah, yeah. set the right eqs put the right effects and all of that yeah so, absolutely and it's time it's a learning curve yeah for sure and I guess, you know, one other point that we didn't hit, there are um, a number of live mixers out there mm-hmm. these days. Um, you know, you've got one, I've got one. Yep. Um, there's the, you know, you've got the QSCs, you've got mm-hmm. the Behringers, you've got the Line 6s, you've got yep. the PreSonus ones, right? There's yep. There are all sorts of mixers out there nowadays where you can actually, you know, bring one to a show and you can literally track your band live as long mm-hmm. as you are capturing everything that's going on stage as long as it's going into the mixer somewhere yep you will you will be able to to get your tracks that way that's I, right i've done that a number of times where i've recorded yeah. you know performances from bands that that i was playing in and mm-hmm. you know i can literally take the the card it's one that uses sd card just like you were saying yep pull that into a box and you know i can remix the whole show in pro tools after right. that um, and that's that's a great way to go. Again, it's it takes some time um, to learn how to do yep. that, but there are boatloads of videos out there on the internet, mm-hmm. on, like on YouTube, where you can learn the the art of of doing that. Yeah, that kind of work. Yeah, and again, it's all you know part of your toolbox. So I think our key is you know you don't have to shoot for the moon the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, start small. Um, and as you gain more experience and as you get better at it, kind of work your way up. That's and, right. And ultimately you'll find out, you know, that doing demos are actually, you know, it's fun, it's easy. And, you know, we've got plenty of ways you can share it now, yep. like on SoundCloud or, That's right. or YouTube or whatever yep. and get it out in front of those venue owners that way. Right. Yep. I find very few of them nowadays want CDs anymore. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah, they, they want the, they're just coasters now, you know? Right. They're just like, where's your SoundCloud? Where's your YouTube or whatever? Yeah, and because it's got, it has to be attached to yeah. whatever, whatever you're marketing. Yeah, because yeah. if you're doing a demo, that means you need something that you're giving them, and it's usually either like a website or a Facebook page, right, or right. something along those lines. Yes, yeah, so that's a good point. Like, right. make sure that it's accessible from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's that seems like a, a pretty good place to stop, I guess. I mean, we we, yeah. we went all the way from like you know stick one mic in a room to like practically making a live album. That's right. Because the only difference at that point, like once you're at that level and you've got all the you know you've got all the equipment, 
the only difference between like you and like that master studio recorder is just time and experience time experience and well, and money and there's money. some money in there's a little bit of money too yeah. yeah but you know it's it's all yeah. a matter of it's just a matter of degree yeah. at that point right um yeah well we wish you guys happy recording and you know we hope that uh you'll be able to put some of this to use in, in making demos of your band that's right let us know how this works out for you like let us know what your experience has been yep. doing uh small demos or maybe larger demos or, or other kind of live recording um drop us a line you can reach us at the website which is practicalbase.com you yep. can email us at podcast at practicalbase.com and if you enjoyed what you uh, heard here uh, we hope that you will subscribe to the podcast it's very easy to do uh, you can find us on the podcasts app on your iphone or on itunes on your mac os device you can find us on stitcher radio on any platform on google play music on any platform just look for practical bass and once the friendly black and white practical bass logo comes up click the subscribe button you'll get a fresh episode delivered to you each week completely for free we do not charge for this we do not believe in it and uh, we hope that you enjoy the knowledge that we hope we are passing on here and that you will share it with your friends you share it with uh, fellow bass players fellow musicians bandmates and uh, we hope that it will help you take your gigs and gear to the next level until next time, I'm Paul Friels. I'm Dave Guzman. This has been Practical Bass. Thanks for listening. But who cares because we're Practical Bassing it today. Bassing out. We'll